Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Time and distance are no barrier to energy, and that means no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you are here for a reason. And I hope that something in the next hour lights you up and helps you move forward. Our dreams contain wisdom, messages, guidance for us, and When we can decode the wisdom of our dreams, it unlocks a powerful tool to help enrich our lives. My guest on today's show is dream expert Diane Brandon, and she's here to share how dreams can be used for problem solving, for better relationships, creative inspiration, and spiritual growth. Are you ready to meet her? Diane Brandon is an author and expert on intuition. She also specializes in dream interpretation and dream work and teaches wellness classes on sleep and dreams and and stress release via guided meditation. She works as an integrative intuitive counselor, teacher, and spiritual counselor. Her new book is Dream Interpretation for Beginners, Understand the Wisdom of Your Sleeping Mind. You can find out more about Diane and her work at dianebrandon.com. Diane, welcome to Out of the Fog. Well, thank you so much, Karen. It is wonderful to join you today. I'm very glad you're here. And let's start at the beginning. What is it that triggered your interest in dreams? What brought you to this place on your journey? Well, you know, it's interesting, Karen. I have been interested in dreams and interpreting dreams for longer than I have been working with my intuition. And sometimes I joke and say I have an interest in dreams because I love to sleep. However, that's not just funny. I'm I'm quite serious about that. I have always loved to sleep because that allows me to not be here. It's the closest that I can come while I'm here in a physical body to being back on the other side. And I have to kind of digress and say I've always remembered what I thought when I was born. So uh, my spiritual orientation has been part of me from the time I was born. And the interest in dreams, I think, sprang out of that. There was always this sense that there's more to the sleeping world and this dreaming world than most of us think there is. And back sometime in the late 60s or early 70s, I found some books on sleep and dream research. And I started reading those, fascinating to me. And in grad school, my roommate was also interested in dreams. So in the morning, we would interpret each other's dreams. And that interest has just always been there as an interest. And then when I started working with my intuition, that was 1992, you know, the dreams became part of that work even though, you know, they had been there, that that interest had been there for at least two decades before that, or I guess I should say almost three decades before that. So that's 
it was kind of a, I guess, a, a con- convoluted path, but nothing happens by chance. Everything happens for a reason, and I have felt since I started working with my intuition and including dreams as one of the tools that I use, that I am doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. That I mean, all, all of us sleep. We can't, if you don't sleep, you die, right? All of us sleep. What is it that happens when we're asleep? I hear you saying that when you sleep, it takes you um, closer to spirit, closer to essence, right? What is happening when we're sleeping? Well, it's, that's a great question, Karen. There are various things that change when we're sleeping. Our state of consciousness obviously change, changes our brain waves slow down. And we also have some, some biochemical and brain chemical changes when we go to sleep. For example, our cerebral cortex, the seat of higher learning, is turned off when we go to sleep. There's also a chemical that induces a paralysis so that scientists feel so that we don't act out our dreams. And, of course, you know, something is awry with that mechanism for people who, who sleepwalk. So the physical body is, is very different, and I personally feel while we're sleeping, we are not bounded by our physical bodies the way we are while we're awake. And so there are so many different things that are open to us while we're sleeping. And I'm sure you've heard this as well, Karen, that people have said for centuries that our waking world is Maya, it's illusion, and that it's while we're sleeping that we're truly awake. Um, so there are other things that shift as well. I could go on and on about this um, our unconscious is is just quite open and, and operative while we're sleeping. The limbic system is also activated, so there can be more emotionality, which we can experience sometimes in, in dreams. But we can also be off exploring other places and other time periods, other dimensions while we're sleeping, I think sometimes we may bring back a conscious memory of that, and I feel a lot of times we may not. We may be worked with spiritually in the deepest levels of sleep when we tend not to bring conscious conscious memories back while we're awake. There's just an awful lot that's, that's possible while we're sleeping. I... Um work with students who are learning to develop their intuition and one of the things that I ask students to do is to begin to record their dreams, to begin to pay attention, be intentional about what comes to you in your dreams and I'm wondering when we don't remember our dreams is the dream, are our dreams still happening? Because I hear you saying the body is laying this beautiful fertile field for the dreams. Some things are turned off, some things are turned on, we're ready, we're open, we're aware. So when we don't remember the dreams, are the dreams still occurring? <laughs> yes, they're still occurring, Karen. I know when I've spoken on dreams in the past, some people say I don't dream, but unless there's some sort of brain abnormality or unless you're taking a medication that may interfere with dreaming, we always dream. 
we may not and we typically will not remember all of our dreams. We tend to remember a dream when our level of consciousness shifts somewhat while we're having that dream. And there are some other factors that come into play as well. One is that if we're sleep-deprived, and and I know you know we live in a sleep-deprived society, we may not be sleeping long enough to get to the part of our sleep cycle when we have the dreams that we can remember. Because in the earlier parts of our sleep cycle, well, I should say we cycle up and down throughout the night, but in the earlier parts of the sleep cycle, we spend more time in those deeper levels of sleep where we tend not to remember the dreams. And we spend more time in the lighter levels of sleep in the later stages of the sleep cycle. That's when we tend to remember dreams. However, having said that, not all dreams are significant. So we don't necessarily miss out on important information if we don't remember all of our dreams. And in the cases where we're being worked on spiritually, as you say, that what I'm hearing you say is that work continues whether we're aware of it or not. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and I, oh, I just, I, I, I love that part of it. It's like, it's like one can go to sleep and just turn it over to the universe. Are you able to share the way you laughed is that's the laugh of someone who has deep personal experience with being worked on spiritually in her dreams? Um, Is there an example (laughs) that you can share? What kind of spiritual work, what kind of ways are we worked on in our dreams? Well, I will say that I'm not consciously aware of it. I just know that it's happening. And I've had more of a sense of it, Karen, in the past year or two, and I think it's because of the time period that we're living in, that sometimes we're being worked on to prepare us for changes in the world or for new things we're supposed to be doing. I have a close friend, and sometimes I, I, I touch base with her if I have experienced something unusual in my sleep cycle. And... I've always insisted on my sleep. I, I tend to sleep for eight to nine and a half hours a night. I mean, again, it's always been my, my sanctuary. Again, because it's the closest I can come to not being here because I didn't want to be here. So when I see my sleep cycle shift in some way, I may have trouble getting to sleep or I may find myself, you know, waking up more. I'll touch base with my close friend and I'll say, how did you sleep a couple of nights ago? Well, what have you experienced in the past few nights? And I would say at least 80% of the time, she will have experienced similar things. And, and that's an indication to me that this is not just my, something going on with me that's a change in my sleep cycle, that it is it is beyond me that we're being worked on or, or we're picking up on something that's in the offing. We can't always pinpoint exactly what it is, but, but we know there's something going on. Isn't that interesting? There, I believe that there is always more going on than we can see. Always, with everything, always mm-hmm. more going on than we can see or, or feel or know or imagine or dream. 
always more going on. It's an interesting idea to be intentional about your sleep and to be aware enough of that pattern, grounded enough in that pattern that you can reach out and check with someone else. Is Would you recommend that people who are listening, who are partnered, who have sleep partners, um, connect then with those partners to talk about sleep, maybe make that a regular part of how they check in with each other? I think that's a wonderful idea, Karen. I, I would say if you share similar interests, if your partner is also has spiritual interests, yes. And, and even if your partner doesn't, if your partner's open to discussing that or sharing experiences, I would say yes. Because I was not drawn to do this before the past two or three years, but it definitely gives us more information because, of course, we're living in times that are unusual and not the norm, especially for those of us who are not 15 or 20 years old. That's right. We, we know that these experiences are very different from, from many years ago. This is another tool, I feel. So, and, and sleeping and dreams are a spiritual tool as well. And it's one that if we neglect that, I, like many people, am guilty of, you know, falling face down on the bed, going to sleep and getting up six hours later and, you know, dragging <laughs> myself out and doing it again. But it's so when we're mindful about it, when we create, I've heard the term sleep hygiene used before. Oh, when, yeah. Right. When you make it sacred, keep it clean and intentional. There's so much beautiful awareness we can unlock. I, I completely agree, Karen. I think if more people looked at sleep as our time, our spiritual time, and it's, and it's not just spiritual, it's many different things that can happen while we're sleeping and dreaming, but it has that beautiful spiritual aspect. And I actually know some people, and, and they're in the book that I'm working on now, which is about those of us who were born aware, actually consciously wake up remembering being worked with or going places to heal people or being or even taken to different parts of the universe and being shown things and taught things. So this is a wonderful, wonderful, oh, I don't know if I should call it a resource or what I should call it. It's, it's, um, it allows us to plug in and refill our spiritual reservoirs even more. So as we start to become more aware of our dreams, as we set the intention to remember our dreams and begin to record them, as you recommend, either in a journal or with a, a voice recorder right by the bed, a lot of times our dream, I'll speak for myself, a lot of times my dreams don't make any darn sense at all and I can't figure out what they mean, and they seem a little bizarre or random, and just when I think I'm starting to remember them, they fade away. Mm -hmm. So how can we begin to then hang on to, grab those little wispy bits that are important and get meaning from them? Wonderful question, Karen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to speak to that in, in two different parts. Dreams, just by their very nature, are ephemeral because of what happens while we're sleeping. We are completely, or for the most part, oblivious. We're tuning out 
our external world and what's going on around us. And so, in essence, when we wake up, we're coming back to the physical reality and, and traces of a dream will disappear extremely rapidly. It's estimated that within five seconds of waking up, we will forget 50 to 70% of a dream and within 10% we'll forget 90, 90% of a dream. And that's because as soon as we open our eyes, we're bombarded by visual and other external stimuli and we're shifting our orientation to what is outside of us as opposed to what was inside of us. So one thing that I recommend is to wake up slowly with your eyes closed and savor what was going through your mind. Review what was the most significant or salient. Just go over it in your mind and then start to record it. It is the nature of the beast. I think, though, when dreams are very significant, sometimes either the whole dream or part of a dream will, will reverberate. It will come back to our minds at odd times the next day or even over the next two to three days. So that's the first part. The second part, I'll insert a little little second part, change it from two to three, <laughs> It's important to, to value your dreams, to respect them, and to be able to discern whether a dream was significant or not, because not all dreams are going to be significant. The third part is actually to learn how to interpret dreams, and this is where it can get a little complicated, and, and I apologize for that. What I do in interpreting dreams is, is I really look at where a dream might be coming from because there are different potential sources, what type of dream it may be, and then I start interpreting. And some dreams will actually be literal. We do have dreams that are literal. Sometimes they could be about an event happening in the future. But for dreams that stem from our unconscious, they, these tend to be the dreams we consider to be bizarre. And the reason for that is our unconscious has its own vocabulary. It works very, very differently from our conscious mind. And one thing to remember, again, is that the cerebral cortex is turned off. So that's the naming part of our brains. So our unconscious uses, uses other little tricks to convey meaning. And one is that it works by free association and connotation. And, and so a symbol in a dream, we have to really get at what that symbol means to us as individuals. And I know a lot of people like to use dream dictionaries. I don't. I have found very, very few universal symbols. So we have to tease out the meanings of, of the symbols in our dreams by what we think of when we think of whatever, whatever the symbol was. So that's one reason why dreams can be really bizarre. Our unconscious also loves to 
convey meaning through pictorial representations. It loves puns and plays on words. So this is really a matter of befriending our unconscious and, and learning its ins and outs and its vocabulary, and it absolutely can be done. It sounds, And then like, you get to mine the riches from your dreams. Well, it sounds like a treasure hunt. I mean, it, it, it really does sound like there's this kind of, there's this, I don't know, this vast amount of information that we skip over or, you know, we, the alarm goes off and we say a bad word and get up and stumble about <laughs> our days and we've missed this whole really cool treasure that's there. I think that's a wonderful way of putting it. And I do tend to think of what lies beneath our conscious awareness as a treasure chest. And it's interesting, Karen, because I feel that the more I have delved into dreams over the years, the more richness I have found. Because I would say probably 30 or 40 years ago, I used to think, well, when we're dreaming, we're dreaming about something. And I've learned that some dreams are not just dreaming about something, they are actual experiences. And we can have all sorts of experiences while we're sleeping and dreaming. So there's just this vast richness for us. It's another world. It's another world for us. When you mentioned that you know people who have had dreams about being taken to heal someone or traveling somewhere. There are some great examples in, in the book, in Dream Interpretation for Beginners, about um, people going and receiving knowledge. Is that what you mean when you say that some dreams are experiences? They are actually happening. That is one example, Karen. We can also not be guided to do it. We can, our consciousness can be off, let's say, visiting Paris while we're sleeping. We can be we can be back re-experiencing other lifetimes. A part of us can go to other dimensions. We can carry on conversations, actual two-way conversations with people we know while we're sleeping. So there are different different types of real experiences that we can have while we're sleeping. From what? My minds just love to explore. <laughs> well, and there's that curiosity. I mean, that's such an important part of the spiritual journey, that curiosity um, that keeps us learning, keeps us looking, right? Keeps us open. Where would you say that, so if, if we can go visit Paris or, or experience past lives, what part of us is directing that? Can we consciously say tonight when I go to sleep, I want to visit Paris as I saw it in my past life? Oh, boy, I've got... I've got to answer in two parts again. <laughs> you ask wonderful questions, Karen. Oh, thank you. And I, we are coming up on the break in about three minutes, so we may do one part and then go to the break and come back. Okay? Okay. Okay. Actually, we can be directed. It could be coming from what I call our higher soul awareness, a guide, the divine, that we need to experience something. So that is one possibility, that it is not a part of our consciousness on any level that's doing it. However, a part of our consciousness could be directing that. For example, a part of us may have been curious about another lifetime or curious about Paris, for example. So we're not only sure 
exactly where that's coming from. However, and the second part of this is, and I don't think this will take real long to explain, we can incubate dreams and experiences before we go to sleep, when we go to bed. If there's something, we can use this for problem solving. We can ask to have experiences. So before we go to sleep, we want to ask, I would really like to get some information or insight on this problem I've been dealing with. Or I would really, really love to see my passed on cousin. I would really, really like to visit where I lived in Paris in that other lifetime. Please, please help me to do this while I'm sleeping. And so you can incubate those experiences. It's important that you really, really want the information or the experience because I personally feel that the emotional part of the, the brain, the amygdala, has to be charged. And our unconscious knows us better than we know ourselves and it knows what we really want and what is good for us because it's also connected to our higher soul awareness and to higher spiritual beings. Oh. So, so that can come from different sources. Wow. Now you're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. My guest is Diane Brandon. Her new book is Dream Interpretation for Beginners. Understand the wisdom of your sleeping mind. We'll be right back with more conversation with Diane after this. This week's episode, Danger at the Old Well. Last one to the old well's a rotten egg. Ha ha, I win. Whoa! Ah! Sassy! Johnny fell down the well. I'm wet. What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl. What? You'd rather use his time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold. People shouldn't be afraid to adopt from a shelter? Because shelter pets are screened for sound health and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? <laughs> what? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more self-reliant? Sassy! What do you say? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt! Come to the forest. It's a place not so far away. A place where you don't have to mow the lawn or babysit. I saw lizards and squirrels and bugs. Ladybugs, caterpillars. It's really cool, actually. A place where you don't have to make time for free time. Lots and lots of kinds of species here. Out here, you may even meet the mysterious creature known as the other you. The enchanted you. It's magic what flowers do. The adventurous you. My favorite tree. Yes. Is that one. The free to be me you. <laughs> Ask your parents to take you to this not so far away place. Come to the forest where the other you lives. But first, stop by discovertheforest.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. 
belong I'm home And I love it I'm home Where I belong It's always nice to come home But these days Many Americans are at risk of foreclosure and losing their homes. Fortunately, help is available. Making Home Affordable is a free program from the U.S. government that has already helped over a million struggling homeowners, and we want to help you. I'm home. I'm home. And I love it. I'm home. I'm home. Find out now what your options are. Go to makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE. The sooner you act the better chance we can help you. I'm home, I'm home, where I be. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. And now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager on Empower Radio. EmpowerRadio.com. Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and my guest is Diane Brandon. Her new book is Dream Interpretation for Beginners, Understand the Wisdom of Your Sleeping Mind. You can get more information about Diane and her work at dianebrandon.com. And of course, I always invite you to check out my website. I'm at karenhager.com. That's a great place to connect with me if you'd like to give me some feedback about what you're hearing today. Have you had a dream that maybe keeps coming back, something that's especially mysterious or enigmatic, something you have questions about? Does hearing Diane talk about the power of our dreams make you want to be more mindful about your own relationship with your sleeping life? You can always reach me through my website, karenhager.com. Now, Diane, I know that there are dreams that that we have in common. And one of the great things about your book is, is that it, you kind of go through and list the different kinds of dreams, the flying dream, the falling dream, the bathroom dream, as, as you say, <laughs> what, what, and, and yet I also hear you saying that we interpret the dream from the, we start with the standpoint of the dreamer. So why is it, do you think that we have these common categories of dreams? That's an excellent question, and I would say it just has to do with the way our unconscious works, because as humans, we do have some similar experiences. For example, dreams that could have to do with anxiety or concern about how well we'll perform, whether those are dreams in which we're out in public and all of a sudden we realize that we have no clothes on or whether they're dreams about being back in school and having to take a test. So I think because those experiences, we humans share a lot of similar concerns in our lives. The anxiety, the concern about image, the concern about uh, being vulnerable or not performing well. And so I think our unconscious will take those and put them into those those similar scenarios. And it's entirely possible, of course, we know about the collective unconscious, that, that we're tapping into that pool as well for some of the imagery in, in those more common dreams. And, and also, there are some common fears as well that can, that can be expressed in the more common dreams in addition to our own, you know, old, resolved, unresolved issues. Well, there are those, I mean, dreams of being uh, being chased, dreams of falling, dreams of drowning, mm-hmm. um, things that maybe go back to kind of 
kind of, I don't know, is primal the right word? A more primal connection? A more or, primordial. <laughs> there we go. Energy, maybe energy that we all, that we all share, even though in most of our daily lives, no one is actually pursuing us, literally pursuing us. Yes. Yes. And, and, and dreams about being pursued almost feel that, that, that they could be expressing some of those conditions from many, 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 many years ago when, when survival was key in our minds and we were being chased by animals. You know, I think we, we tend to carry a lot of that in our psyches or, or in our unconscious. And in the dream state... And in the sleeping state, we're very porous. Our consciousness is porous and receptive. So it's entirely possible, too, that we're, we're, we're picking up on kind of that universal pool of fears and images that express those fears. When we have a, a recurring dream, a dream that comes back again and again, is is that necessarily, is it a dream that says, hey, pay attention to me, I'm coming back again and again? Is it, a, is it a repeated expression maybe of a fear that we're dealing with? What does that mean when we dream the same thing over and over? You know, it could actually be any of those, Karen. I feel that recurring dreams are trying to give us a message. And that message could be, could be about a fear. It could be from old unresolved issues from the past. It could also be about a past life. There could be a bleed, what I call a bleed through, and there's an unresolved issue. They could also be about things that are going to happen to us in the future or things that we may be doing in the future. So we have to, I'm a firm believer in looking at dreams very, very individually, looking at a dream as its own phenomenon, even though I know in the book I, I have different, you know, types of dreams, you know, that dreams can be of different types. But with recurring dreams, they could stem from a variety of different things. That's what I've seen over the years. So, for example, there is, <clears throat> excuse me, one sample, one example in the book that I found very, very touching. And that was this dream that this person had on a recurring basis when he was just a child. And it involved, you know, a bright light and, and, and heat, etc. And the way he described the dream and what he experienced in it had no other explanation other than that it was about a nuclear bomb detonation. And, and I personally, intuitively felt that he, that this was past life, that he had gone through the bombing in, in Hiroshima. Mm. And after the book came out, and I, everybody who had a dream in the book, I, I sent a copy of the book to. And he told me that he then remembered that his mother told him that when he was really, really little, he said he had lived in Japan. And 
this was very touching. It was very poignant for him because, you know, how would a child that young know what it would be like to go through a nuclear bomb detonation? So some recurring dreams can be about, about past lives. Some recurring dreams can be about issues from our past that are not resolved. They can be about things that we will be doing in the future so that they're preparing us in some way. We could conceivably have recurring dreams about a negative event that's, that will be transpiring. After September 11th happened, I had several people tell me over the next two or three months that they had gotten information about it beforehand some in the sleeping state and some while waking, and they had no idea what that was about. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we can also have uh, recurring dreams that give us information about a really negative event that will happen in the future. I think the general theme of recurring dreams is a message is being given. I had a pair of them back in the late... <clears throat> Excuse me. In the late 90s, that concerned, one concerned visiting my parents in New Orleans and trying to check messages, and the other concerned needing to be somewhere and trying to pack, and both dreams morphed over time and kind of evolved so that with the, the trying to check messages, you know, I kept trying to check them and was prevented, and in the, the, the packing dream, the time was getting closer and closer, and I wasn't able to pack. And then I realized these were fairly innocuous messages because in the space of six months, my parents moved from New Orleans, where they'd lived for over 50 years, to Memphis, and I moved from Chapel Hill, where I'd lived for almost 30 years, to Durham. Mm. So that's, those were really innocuous but I think on some level, the fact that I was having those recurring dreams was just giving me a message and, and preparing me. And even though those dreams were innocuous, some recurring dreams can, can really have more significance to them. They can be dealing with more than just, oh, you're going to move. <laughs> well, and it seems like part of the interpretation would be to discern, to know yourself well enough to kind of feel out, to intuit whether or not this was a scary dream. Is something going to happen to my parents and I didn't check the messages and I don't know and then I can't get ready in time? Or is it a dream about more, as you say, more innocuous events? I will often hear from people who will say, I dreamed I had a certain illness or physical condition. Does that mean that's about to happen? I dreamed that my father died. Does that mean my father's about to die? And that kind of thing can really throw you into a tizzy when what I hear in you advocate is, wait a second, sit with that, honor that, and let's see how do you feel about this dream, right? Where is this coming from, really? Is that right? It's absolutely right, Karen, and you brought up a very, very important point. How we felt in a dream can really give us a clue to meaning so that I think the example I used in the book was when I was speaking about dreams uh, maybe 10, 12 years ago, 
And a woman shared that she had recurring dreams of being chased. And we would typically feel that those are, are negative dreams or nightmares. But when I asked her how she felt in the dream, she said, oh, they're pleasant. I enjoy them. So, you know, you want to look at the emotion that you're having while you're dreaming. Secondly, I feel that it's important to remember that not all dreams are literal. So that if you're dreaming about a death, that may not be a literal death. It may mean something figurative, a a change in one's life. Um, This is also where I feel that it's very important not just to really have the knowledge about sleep and dreams and the various ins and outs, but as you said, know ourselves. We don't want a fear to be triggered unnecessarily, and of course, Fear being triggered is not pleasant anyway. And and if we're in a a mode of fear, we're usually not going to be able to be very proactive. So I feel that it's very important to get centered. Meditation obviously helps. If you've developed your intuition, that also helps. Just get very, very centered and clear and try to get a sense of what the dream is conveying. And I think in general, when we're interpreting our dreams, we want to be centered and clear. And I feel that one of the major tools that I use in interpreting dreams, aside from the fact that I know these other little techniques and tools, is my intuition. My intuition will tell me, oh, this feels like such and such with a dream, whether I'm interpreting my own or somebody else's dream. Mm. I think it's very important not to get into a fear mode. When, when we talk about lucid dreaming, we talked about how we can kind of direct our experiences, we can ask for what we want, and, and if we are open, that may be, and if the time is right, we may have that, be able to go to Paris and see the past life. When it comes to lucid dreaming, Diane, is that the same as what we were talking about, or is lucid dreaming a whole different thing? Lucid dreaming is a whole different thing. And, and, and the basic way to understand what lucid dreaming is, is the word lucid. We are lucid while we're dreaming. We are aware while we're dreaming that we're dreaming. And if you think about it, you know, for most of us, while we're sleeping and dreaming, we're not aware that we're dreaming. So a lucid dream is a very, very different type of phenomenon. And I just read an article, I think it was a week or two ago, about new research on lucid dreaming that shows that some parts of the brain and and the brain waves are very, very different during lucid dreaming than in our typical sleeping and dreaming state. So it's a a different animal. I personally have never been curious about experiencing it myself because I just love, I love my sleep and I love my dreams as they unfold. I have, I trust that I'm being given exactly what I need at the time. 
Having said that, there are people who love to do lucid dreaming, and lucid dreaming can be very helpful when dealing with some things like fears or nightmares, because if you're aware that it's a dream, you can face the fear or nightmare. You can, you can conquer it. So there, there are different ins and outs with regard to lucid dreaming. When I know for myself that there's a kind of a, I don't know, it isn't my own dream dictionary, but there are things when I dream about such and such a thing, I know that's what it means. When I dream about this, I know that it means that. Uh, what's, what's an example? When I dream that I'm fainting, I, mm-hmm. it usually means I'm about to get sick, right? And that's just been that way forever with me. Do we all have our own kind of dream vocabulary? Do we all, are we our own dream dictionary? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. It's interesting that for you when you dream of fainting, that's, that's your little indication that you may be fighting, you know, uh, something, that you may be on the verge of, of getting sick. We, we all have our own individual style of dreaming. Back in grad school, my roommate had these long technicolor epics, and I had what I felt by comparison were these puny little black and white short <laughs> dreams. So we all have our different styles of dream dreaming. We all have certain ways in which our unconscious will express itself with symbols so that, you know, for you, fainting meant possibly getting sick. Uh, I use an example of water. I interpreted somebody's dream within the past few years and... Water was prominent in it, and and for this person, water represented the beach and and fun times at the beach. So we all have our own vocabulary. When when we become aware of of our own little expressions, our own little vocabulary while we're sleeping, such as your your dreams about fainting, that helps us immensely. In, in interpreting, you know, our dreams. I remember a dream I had back in the late, it was the late 80s or the very early 90s, and I was in a um, mastermind class, and we were going to discuss dreams that day, and I'd had a dream about coins buried in the backyard. At that point in my life, my father was collecting coins, so for me... The coins had to had to do with my father. So we all have our own ways in which we have associations and connotations with things. For example, if we if we grew up and and frequently went to the beach and had great fun, we could dream about water and it meaning for us the beach, fun times. So a lot of this comes from our own experiences over time. I think it's very, very important to become aware of, of what certain symbols mean for us, to have that self-awareness. And now that I mention it, I think self-awareness is another, another tool to use 
in decoding our dreams. And, and, and we can all become more self-aware. It's, it's a, you know this, Karen, it's a very, very beneficial thing to do. So yes, we have different, we have our different styles of dreaming. We have different little symbols that mean something particularly to us. And actually learning to pay attention to our dreams and interpret them and work with them leads us to have more self-awareness. And that, in this human condition, is, is very, very valuable. That's a beautiful, it uh, continues a beautiful cycle. It's part of, I think, you alluded to the change that we're undergoing, what I feel is an awakening um, of, of all of us, those of us who are awake and those of us who are just waking up, a sense of greater perception, a desire to know more, a desire to go deeper, um, and so, as, as you say, the more self-aware we are, the more self-aware we become, and it goes on and on and on and on. And I think that may be part of that preparation for what lies ahead for us. I so agree, Karen. And the other thing that I have seen is one of the things that keep us, keeps us mired in our human experience and have less access spiritually is our personal stuff, what I call our personal stuff, our, our, our fears, our, our beliefs, our mindsets, all of that old stuff, the old tapes. The more, we, more self-awareness we gain and the more we work on clearing the personal stuff that doesn't suit us, the more access, the easier access we have to what I call our higher soul awareness and spirituality and other levels. So I'm, I'm very big on that. When I've taught intuition, and my second book, Intuition for Beginners, was about obviously about that. And when I teach intuition and in that book, I emphasize that over and over again. It's very important for us to bypass our personal stuff when we're trying to access intuitive information. And isn't it interesting that in the past 20 to 30 years, more people have been working on clearing personal stuff, old issues, and a lot of them are spiritually oriented. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't it interesting and isn't it wonderful? It is, and we take that knowledge and we pass that to our children, who I believe are born more aware than we were. In our, mm-hmm. I just turned 50, so I believe that my children were born more aware than I was, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, we pass that way of being, that way of relating to the world to our children who pass it to their children. And I think that's part of that greater pathway. Now I've gotten so excited here about talking to you about all this stuff. I, the, the book dream interpretation for beginners has a beautiful, um, structure where you give information about what happens when we sleep information about the different types of dreams. And then you really dig into the practical ways, the practical ways in which we can interpret our own dreams. And so for those of you listening, I'd love for you to check out this book. There's a big piece in the middle there where Diane gives us different dreams to look at and then encourages us to come up with our own interpretation. And then if you go a little farther, her interpretations are there so we can check ourselves. It's a wonderful 
it's playful, but it's a, it's a wonderful way of inviting us to go deeper. For listeners who want a deeper connection with you, Diane, how do they reach you? How can they find out more about what you're up to, what's going on? I would say, Karen, it's probably through my website, and that is dianebrandon.com. I do have a page on the website where I, I list upcoming, any upcoming classes or, or interviews. Um, I have articles on my website, certainly, oh, I have over 200 pages on my website. Wow. So that is one excellent way they can, people can find me on, on Twitter. I actually do have a dream group on Facebook, Your Dream World. And, and my page, my, my personal page on Facebook, though I'm perennially at my, you know, at my friend limit with, with lots of friend requests sitting, but if, if people followed me, I mean, I, I, I post a lot of things there because I'm very much into environmental themes, too, and that's a whole other topic. We can no longer say that we're not of this world if we're spiritual. So that's another vehicle, and and my books are listed on the website, too, because I have three books out. So dianebrandon.com is probably the best way, and it has my contact information as well. Wonderful. And for those of us, see, now I'm all excited. Now I can't wait to go to sleep. Um, so <laughs> what is the one thing that I could do tonight to... Mm. establish more clarity, more connection with my dreams. If I could only pick one, in this book, you guys, there are a thousand and one things that you can do. What's the most important one? What should I do tonight? Well, the first thing I would say would be before going to bed, Karen, just think of while you're sleeping and while you're dreaming as this wonderful way in which you really plug in spiritually and experience things and explore. And, and, and then number two would be to allow yourself to get adequate sleep. That's a big one for me. So I hear you. I'm nodding my head wisely. And at the same time, I'm shaking my head. No, I don't know how that would ever be possible. Yes, I hear you. Okay. <laughs> well, I have to say this. There's been so much research that's come out in the past five to seven years about all the negative health impacts of inadequate sleep. So it's, it's good to be aware of what some of those are. And I think, too, the more we realize that while we're sleeping, that is not time lost. That is not a waste of time. It is a very, very beneficial use of time. It is advantageous. And spiritually, it just, is like manna from heaven. That is beautifully said, Diane. Thank you so much for being oh. on the show today. Well, thank you, Karen. It has been just a joy to be with you. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. That is Diane Brandon. Her new book is Dream Interpretation for Beginners. Understand the wisdom of your sleeping mind. Find out more about Diane and her work. Get all the good information that's there for you at dianebrandon.com. Of course, I'm waiting for you at karenhager.com. Feel free to chime in with your comments and questions about the show. You can reach me through the contact 
link right there at karenhager.com. And if you want that free sacred space toolkit, little prayers and ideas and tools to help you create sacred space in your physical environment, in your relationships around abundance, that's there for you at karenhager.com as well. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.